0: good to see you all again thank you worship team that was um just what i think the right way to start the weekend just um welcome again this morning as you can see i'm uh for those of you that know me my name is johandre i'm part of one of the elders here at rivers of joy don't let my pretty face fool you don't give my age away but um We uh, have uh, three couples um, that are part of the eldest team, Uh, one couple in the Philippines where we have a church that's planted out from here, so they are visiting and encouraging and um, just um, teaming up with the guys there. And then Dan and Nicole, which is the other couple, they are in Wales, and so they have a bit of a, um, just a time of refreshing, but they're also part of a, a prayer event that will be taking place there. So, um, I'm running the ship this morning, but uh, it's also just, I'm not going to mention names for those guys with your hands put up. Thank you so much. Ten seconds ago, I would have said we don't have Kids Church this morning, but uh, Felicity just came in. Thank you so much, Felicity, for helping out, uh, out the last two weeks. So, with that, Felicity, you can go through. So, kids, three years and up, you guys are welcome to join Felicity in Kids Church. For parents that have nursing babies, we have a room at the back. And then if you go through the door over here, there's a Sprouts room. Those two rooms have um, a line, so you can still listen into to the word. Um, at the moment, as you guys can see over the summer, a lot of people are traveling, so we're a bit thin with hands and volunteering. So if parents, if you go to the Sprouts room, maybe just accompany um, your kids. As I said, there is a speaker, so you can still listen in. All right, let me just grab this before I get started. So um, I'm going to be cueing Chris a few times through um, the message you Just uh, as I was preparing this week. Um, just a few funny things and a few things that I'll explain in just a moment where I'll be going. So Chris, if you can quickly show that first picture on the screen for us. So Message Bible reads like this, Mama, I'm hungry. Amplified, Mommy, I'm hungry. Famished, starving. NIV, mother, I'm hungry, King's James, henceforth, let it be known unto thee, birth giver, that my belly consists of emptiness. So, we have been looking at um, the seven churches of Revelation, and um, I'm known as the one that always has something else on his heart, and so I've been walking with this message for a while. And then when we met just before um, Ray and them traveled, he said, Andre, there's something on your heart, go for it. And I said, well, now that you have given me the freedom, I'll do that. So I was trying to connect it with, with um, where we are in, in um, looking at the seven churches. And so um, Dan actually last week, um, if you were here when he was talking about, I thought it was the Church of Perga, Num, but it's actually Mum. Burg mum I hope i'm correct now how I say it so um and he was he was stuck within the first two sentences about the sword of the spirit, and he was talking about you know how the Bible is full of patterns and repeats and things that God is trying to show us in his word if we can if I can put it that way connect the dots and so that made me think a little bit of um something that i've had on my heart for a while and um I've got so many different ways of how I thought of how to start this message this morning, so I'll just go with with what I have in my head now. and um, in in the the seven churches, five of them, you know, they all of them get commended, five of them get rebuked, and um, it it made me think of you know certain things in in, in the Bible that we hear certain things that people sometimes say, and they they sound very nice, and they sound very biblical, but then sometimes you realize that, well, I don't find what this person is saying in the Bible, but it sounds nice, it sounds great, it sounds wonderful, you know? And especially in the time that we live in, with technology and access to any person's sermon and whatever they say all around, we need to be more cautious than ever with um, what we allow ourselves to listen, and also using discernment and even with what I'm sharing today to go and make sure um, that what you are opening yourself to to listen is the very Word of God. And so the fact that I'm standing here, the Bible says a double measurement to me. So, I mean, it's a little bit harsher on me, but each of you have a responsibility with every word ever that you open yourself to to go and cross-check it. And so, if you anything like me, when I got saved and I heard a whole bunch of couple of things, I just wanted to share it with the whole world, right? Anything that sounds nice, everything, I see the guy on the street, I see the guy in the supermarket, I see the guy while I'm pumping my gas, everywhere. And then very soon I realized that, hold on a second, I'm sharing a whole bunch of stuff that I don't really have knowledge about. And so, maybe God was gracious, and I have a lot of stories to share in my unknowing knowledge that I shared, but then as you grow as a mature Christian, sometimes we tend to think the opposite way. I have this weight and responsibility, so I'm going to be extra cautious. And so, if you agree with me, we need both, right? We need to have the fire and the motivation and the leading of the Holy Spirit that leads us to share with people, but we also need to make sure that what we believe and what we are communicating is also biblical, and so, this morning, I'm going to be looking at one or two sayings, and um, a, few, a few scriptures. It started for me a couple of years ago, where <clears throat> I heard a couple of things, and then I just, my heart started yearning for these discoveries. And so, my hope and my prayer this morning is, is that, well, if what I'm about to share you know, or if you don't know, I want you to consider these questions. As I'm going through them, is this how I might have understood it? Does it impact or change anything in terms of my understanding, in terms of my relationship? Is there a few things that I need to go back and reconsider. And now that I know, how do I apply it to my life from this day forward? And so one of the things that we always need to consider is that, God in the Old Testament and God in the New Testament is the same God. Yes, there's changes. The narrative has changed, right, in some sense. Uh, I'll give you a few examples. Um, Just quickly see. So before, in the Old Testament, there was one guy who was the mediator between God and the people. Today, we have the privilege, but also the massive responsibility that each and every one of us can hear from God. Right? One person was anointed or gifted with, this, uh, with the Holy Spirit leading, today, when you confess Christ as your Lord and Savior and you follow, Spirit is in you, right? And so that means when people like myself and we are sharing things, if it's not of Him, we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit saying, hold on a second, like light's flashing a little bit here. And then, of course, in the Old Testament, they had to... Slaughter animals as atonement for sin. And I mean, when's the last time you slaughtered a lamb? Uh, it, all right, hypothetical question. We don't need to do that, right? Because Jesus became the ultimate atonement, the ultimate sacrifice. And so sometimes I think, because the fact that we don't slaughter lambs, it's so easy to forget because it has already been done for us. So we constantly need to remind ourselves, all right? And so hopefully, the gist of what you will find out, what I'm trying to get through today, is that we need to know, in our modern society, when these letters were written, why was it written, to whom it was written to, what was happening then, and how does it apply to us today? Because society has changed a lot, right? The only thing that I will comment on that is, is the Word of God doesn't change. Unfortunately, nowadays, there's a lot of people that would argue, well, the Bible is written for that day, so that means the Bible also needs to change to fit today. And culture shouldn't transform the Bible. The Bible should be, conform- uh, should be transforming culture, right? So just a side note on that. Chris, quickly, the, the second picture. So I saw a few of these memes, and I thought it would be quite funny. So this is the, I didn't have time to read my Bible Starter pack, right? Playing games, watching the telly, cell phone, Netflix, family, sports, all those things. And the only comment that I will have on that is in the time that we are living, we are being forced and fed and distracted by all the things going on. And I'll be honest, being on holiday, you know, I've got a lot of time on my hands and uh, I, I, I like these American-type movies, so I've been maybe watching one or two seasons of Designated Survivor and all these things. But, 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 if I don't neglect my time with God, which I have been able to do over the last by His grace, if I start my day that way, I don't feel so guilty, you know, if I watch three or four episodes because I make time to spend with Him. So, what I'm saying is, Make sure that the time that you spend on things doesn't overrule the time with the king. Which then leads me to where we're going, and you can go quickly to the third um, picture there, Chris. I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. And so, I'm not trying to, you know, be, be funny or anything, but there's a seriousness to knowing God's Word, and especially when we open ourselves up to want to share it, right? And so the first thing, and you can just keep that off for now, I'll tell you in the next one. Thank you, Chris. So the first um, idea, maybe you've heard it before, is uh, God will never give you more than you can bear. Anyone heard that? Maybe someone said it before. Well, you just need to know a little bit of the biblical narrative to know that, is, that it can't be, right? Because then my life and the things that I go through every day makes absolutely no sense, right? And so I have a few verses that, I, that I'll go to. You're welcome to, to join in, but I'm, I'm going to move the, through them um, relatively, not spending a lot of time on them. But, um, or maybe just on that note, before I go to the scripture, maybe you've heard people say, and even in this church, they said, you know, come Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, fill us, fill us again. Right, technically language, right? Because, you know, we we are filled when we are born again. But I think the language needs to be translated or changed to the fact of, and this is my take on it, when I said is, Holy Spirit, I want to be aware of you. Open my eyes, open my ears right now for what you want to speak. You know, because sometimes people get lost in, The language, which we need to caution, right? But um, just just something that's out there. Something else. And maybe my idea is also to not just give you everything today, but to also probe you a little bit. And maybe like me, when I hear things, want to go and discover it and sit with God. The other one I will just mention is, uh, I've heard it a couple of times. God loves the sinner, not the sin. Think about that. Some aspect, yeah, sounds nice, very good, awesome. But when you go a little bit beyond that, then you're like, wait, hold. So, some things you maybe think about. And the other one, which is very hard, is it's always God's will to heal. Right? We can't say it's not, because then we need to rewrite some of the narratives in the Bible. But yet, the reality is, does everyone get healed? I can testify from my own life. No. So that's just maybe to just stir up something in you to want to have your eyes and your ears open for when you hear these things. All right. So back to point number one. <clears throat> Everyone still following me? All right. I have a tendency to start and then run faster. So I'll try to pace myself. So back to the first one. God will never give you more than you can bear. Let's look at some of the biblical narratives. <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians 10. And this is probably the basis where I think this is probably coming from, right? In 1 Corinthians 10 verses 3, it says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. So see, there's a difference between being tempted than being given more than what you can can bear. If you look at the the root of being tempted, it's our fleshly desires, right? Which is contrary to what the Spirit wants to do. But the cool thing, and I'll just quickly go on with the Scripture, it says, You will not be tempted or allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. And so that means, God is saying, if you are in a situation where you are tempted, if you allow me, I will give you a way out. But you see, and I, maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't heard it, but sometimes people are a little bit confused in the sense of, well, I was tempted to to want to do that, so maybe God's wanting to do something through this. Yes, He always, He's always wanting to direct us, but temptation does not come from God. Temptation comes from our own fleshly desires. Amen. James 1, you all know this one, I'm sure. Consider it joy, my brethren, when when you encounter various trials, verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So just that verse alone, it really derails that God will not give you more, because there will be trials, there will be endurance, right? Matthew 26, and this is this is Jesus. This is him before he got captured in the garden. And this is his words, Matthew 26, verses 38. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Verse 39. And he went a little beyond them, fell on his face, and prayed, saying, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will but as you will, right? So that was beyond him. And then, I'm sure you all know Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, where he talks about the thorn in my flesh, cries out to him, to God, three times. And then in verse 9, he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. So clearly, clearly, According to the biblical narrative, if we look at a story like Joseph, if we look at David, Moses, all of the guys, there's not one guy in the Bible that I can think of, so if I'm wrong, please correct me, where it's follow God and life will be easy. That's not the narrative. In fact, if you read the Bible, and I'm not trying to scare you, but this is the reality, in this world, there will be challenges. There will be suffering And there will be some sort of loss because this, as Peter says, we are aliens in this world, right? We're in this world, but not of this world. And so we need to, it's not easy, right? It's not easy. God gave us emotions. He gave us, you know, our flesh when we are going through things. So that is part of it, okay? But that is the cost. The Bible says you have a cross to bear. It says you need to consider the cost. In fact, when he sent out the disciples in Matthew 10, he said, you will be up against your own family for following me. So in wrapping up this point, what is the difference then to be a follower of Christ going through hardship versus someone that's not? I mean, that's a good question. I go through things, and I follow Christ to the best of my abilities, and another person goes through the exact same thing. Well, number one, I, I can't imagine to do it without him. In my opinion, the difference is that there's no difference in what we will go through. However, the difference is, through our situation, we can have hope that he will come and he will change the narrative, because His word says so. And we know that suffering will only be here. Someone said it once, and through this day, I can't shake it. We can only go through suffering here on earth because the promise of the hereafter will be celebration with him. Ray mentioned a couple of weeks ago, he said, hope will fade, right? Because we hope for something to happen, and then it happens, and then we have hope for something else. So hope eventually goes away. Right, faith we have faith for something, we have faith in Him. One day, when we are standing in the throne room, we don't need hope and faith. So, sometimes the biggest challenge is for us to make the shift and saying, God, I am going through something incredibly hard and I don't get it and I don't understand it. Why me, Lord? But I want to encourage you today that if You remain in Him. If you do not waver, this situation shall also pass. And then you can, through that, minister to others. Because no one can take my experience away. Right? For some reason, God chose me to lose four kids two years ago. But God is busy restoring. Right? And the eternal perspective is, my kids are waiting. Someone told me. said, they're waiting. You better get there. Right? So sometimes, in our hardships, we need to make the eternal shift of this will also come to an end. All right. I think I've made my point. Quickly go to, this, uh, to the fourth one, I think, Chris. So moving on to some scriptures. So Jeremiah twenty I'm sure you all know it, right? Coach, you can probably say it from the top of your head. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Right. So, rem- remind me again about your time in the Babylonian exile. You can really remove this one, Chris? Right. Probably one of the most verses that we sometimes encourage people with, you know, and there's nothing wrong with, with encouragement. Merelda and I, we had a discussion this week and she said, well, is it really that wrong? You know... It, And so, let's quickly read Jeremiah 29, verses 10 to 13. So, sometimes when we are, you know, trying to build a theology on one scripture, that's where it falls flat, right? So, we need to make sure that we understand what Jeremiah was doing. We need to understand what is happening there. And I'm sure if you just read the first two sentences, you will, if you don't already know, know when and how or what was taking place. So Jeremiah 29.10, it says, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. So they're in the middle or in the midst of 70 years, right? So things are tough, you know, they're exiled, people are sick, they're struggling with food, you name it, the whole list. And then the verse 11, which is so known to us, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you, verse 13. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so the point, and the next one that I will also look at is, the reality is, is that this is said... During a time where they did not see, they were given that God has plans. And we all know know that, right? Or if you haven't heard it yet. But it happens in the midst of not knowing when's it going to end, how's it going to end, how long it will still endure. So, the point that I'm trying to make is just when we are sharing, you know, these scriptures Let's be aware of what is the context of what it is, right? Why am I saying this? Because when I went from finishing high school to university and you're a bit unsure, then your friends come up to you, young Christian. You know the plan that he has for you. You know plans for a future and prosper. My life is not hard at that moment in time. I'm not saying we can't use it. I'm not trying to mock scripture or anything. I'm just saying be aware of the significance so that we don't water down what the scripture is actually about. Anyone familiar with Philippians 4.13? Do you know it? Anyone? Praise. Uh Quickly, uh, Chris, the next one. Brand new Christian, when they first discovered, this was me, I've become more powerful than any Jedi has ever dreamed. Christ strengthens me. Right. Again, I'm not trying to mock. But you know, I have a hard exam coming up. You can do all things through Christ. I'm going to go run the, do the Ironman at the end of the year. I can do all things through Christ. Nothing wrong with encouragement. Not what I'm saying at all. But let's quickly see what Paul is busy addressing here to Philippians. If we go starting from verse 10. Philippians 4 verse 10 but i rejoiced in the lord greatly that now at last you have received your concern for me indeed you were concerned before but you lack opportunity not that i speak from what from want for i have learned to be content in whatever circumstances i am i know how to get along with humble means and i also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance i have learned the secret of being full and going hungry, both having abundance and suffering need. And then, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Both the scriptures in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of experience of when life is easy and when it's not, and when it will still happen. So if anything, hopefully... My prayer is that when we look at Scripture, that we dig a little bit deeper than just the words which we read. Because most of the time, the context of the when and the how doesn't always correlate to our modern society. Everyone still fine with that? Right, that was only me warming up. I'm sure you guys are familiar with those two, right? So, I'm not saying don't encourage people. I'm just saying, let's let's just be sensitive. Let's just be aware of what we encourage people with because the circumstance around it is very important. Let me just quickly see if I missed something here. Chris, do I have another meme there? Was that the last one? Okay. so I didn't add it. Perfect. All right. Moving on to the next scripture. I've got two more that I want to touch on. So hear me this morning. If, and I've been there, where I had the, wrong, the right intention, but the wrong basis, if I can put it that way. We've all, we've all probably been there where we wanted to do the right thing, and we wanted to share, and we wanted to encourage, and we want to, you know, nothing wrong with that but let's just be sensitive, let's just be aware of, and that is what I'm trying to get at this morning. Matthew 18. Sure, when, when, we, when we get there, you guys will be familiar with this, but I'll just quickly give you the breakdown. So, it starts with the disciples saying, who's the greatest? They wanted to be top disciple, that's where they start. Then it goes on, and it's talks about being a stumbling block, and then it says, you know, if your eye is bothering you, gouge gouge it out, out. your hand, cut your hand off, you know, being a stumbling block for others, but also to yourself. Then it goes on talking about leaving the 99 for the one, and then we get to a part which is called church discipline, right? Now, let me quickly give you the Word and I had a few conversations about this in, in, in rivers. Verse 19, you've heard it before. I'll give you the context. Lord, we are gathered here today, and you say, Where two or three are gathered, you are in our midst. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Except, so I'm alone in my house, I'm reading the Bible. Oh, wait. There's no second or third person. Oops. Um, now we're ten people. But it says we're two or three together. All right, that's just reasoning with it logically. So publicly, nothing nothing wrong with it, right? But God is with every single one of us when we are aware of Him and what He's saying in a certain circumstance or situation. But this scripture is actually from Deuteronomy nineteen. And so as I said, if we read verse fifteen to nineteen, it talks about when a brother sins. And it says, Well, which is a good tool when there's things is it says, Go to that person in private, try to resolve it. The matter's not resolved. Take people with you. The matter is still not resolved. Go to the elders. But you see, sometimes we get it the other way around. And being a teacher, I can tell you, I don't get to speak always to parents. I get called on to the director's office. So a parent called the other day. There was a problem. Oh, okay. Now the parent says you need to change this. Wait, what happened? Like, you know? And so what I'm saying is there's a a process, there's a means, all right? But I'm not going to focus on that part. But then... At the end of it, it's Jesus saying that I'm going to be a witness to this discipline, right? And I'll show it to you. If you go to Deuteronomy 19, this is Moses. And so he had many people come to him with problems, you know, needing to resolve. And at some point, he was the only guy that dealt with all the concerns of the Israelites. And then his um, father-in-law, I think, if I remember correctly, came to him and said, why are you dealing with all these people's problems? Get, appoint other people, you know? And then you just deal with, with the bigger problems. So then he said, all right, all right. And this is in Deuteronomy 19.15. It says, a single witness shall not rise up against a man on account of any iniquity or any sin which he has committed. On the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. Right. And so Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy and he's saying, when you are dealing with sin, when you are dealing with a situation, a matter in the church that you need to resolve, that that you guys have agreed upon here, I am a witness to that. And so is it wrong to say, is it wrong to say, Father, you are in our midst? No, it's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Think it's just when we use scripture that comes to Matthew 18, then it's probably one of the most um, misquoted scripture. Anyone, any concerns? So I'm the only one here today, and I was thinking I'll say this in the midst of sharing on that. So that means um, I will be available afterwards. You know, but that's for every given day, if you hear something or if something is said in a certain way. Because, you know, we, we all come from different backgrounds, you know, English is my second language, and so language can sometimes, and so there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, hold on a second, you 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 use this word or you said this, I just want to, you know, I just want to make sure. And let's be sure when we do that, that we ask questions before we accuse, right? So... In terms of what I'm sharing today, just again, I hope it encourages you. I hope it stirs something in your heart that says, man, there's so, such a richness to God's word. And I have to, I want to, I desire to understand or have a deeper understanding of um, his word. Then the last one. And uh, I mean, as you guys can gather, all of these that I'm mentioning is all probably a series on their own but um, I'm just skimming over them. The last one is um, tithing. There's a, there's a, a misrepresentation of, of tithing. Oh, while well, people use it in that sense uh, when it gets to that. So I was just thinking, let's quickly do a trip down memory lane. Anyone know when uh, the first mention of tithing is in the Bible? story or something that comes to mind? it like right? Now... I'll just say Melchizedek, and then I'll leave it to you to, uh, to go and look into that and discover that one It blew me away. So, um, also something else on its own. Um, so, in terms of the word tithing, Coach, 100%. 100%. But there's an implied tithing before, and I'll read it to you. It's in Genesis 4, and this is a story between Cain and Abel. Now, it's 50-50 because it's not the word implied tithing, but listen to this. This is verse 3. So, it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Now, listen to this. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of the flock. And we hear that many times throughout Scripture. We need to bring our first fruits, okay? Okay. However, it says, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but not for Cain. Did I miss something now? Hold on a second. Let me just quickly go back. Verse 4. Abel on his part also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. So, sorry, yeah. So, both Cain and Abel brought. The difference is, Cain just said, well, I'll just take this. Abel, on the other hand, he said, no, 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 I'm going to give what I got first. You know, and that signifies that, Lord, it's kind of like saying, if you have my heart, you have my wallet. But God, God never wants your wallet and then your heart. It's, it's not doesn't work that way, right? In some ways, it's saying, Lord, everything that I have, and I trust you with the other 90%. So, we can debate about this one, coach. But uh, the point that I'll I'll get there, I'll get there, I'll get there, before I run away here. Genesis 14, which uh, Coach was talking about, is where we have the story about Melchizedek, right? And then what you need to realize is at this point, it was not law yet. God didn't expect it of them yet. Abel decided, I wanted to give of the first to him. Abraham, when they got the spoils after saving Lot in verse um, 20, I believe. Yes, verse 20. So Genesis 14, verse 20 said, And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies in your hand. He gave him a tenth of all. So here's two guys, and we'll see it one more, that out of their own, God, you have done this for me. Here you go. And then we have Jacob in Genesis 28 where he says and surely I will give you a tenth and then we find that the mosaic law was put in place and then if you read carefully you will see there was actually three different types of tithes right i think if i remember correctly when i looked at it it's something like 25% i think that they were to give And that was because they had something for the Levitical priests, right? And that's what a lot of people argue nowadays and saying, well, we don't have priests anymore. Jesus is the high priest, right? But Jesus also said we need to look after the church and we need to look after the people that feed you spiritually, right? So three types of um, Levitical um, um, tithes that they had during the Mosaic law. Levitical, so to the priests, feasts, and for the poor which is also the charge that the church has, right? We are to look after the widows. We need to look after the poor. Now, you'd say, well, that doesn't sound too, you know, strange, or what is your point that you're trying to make? Is that it beca- it, tithing first came from us before it became law. So that's, that's very important to know. And then um, in 2 Corinthians 9, and this is the scripture where I've heard people get it wrong many times, Right? And um, if you open yourself up, just so that you know, um, to go and look into these things, you will hear so many people arguing for, so many people arguing against, etc., etc. So, just at the end of the day, discernment and do your proper research. So, I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 9 all the way from 1 to 8, but I'll give you the gist. This is where Paul says, give according to your heart. Right, And so, a lot of people have used this as a means in saying, well, certain things in the Old Testament has fallen away. Nowhere in the New Testament does Jesus specifically say, right? But we know if we look at the golden narrative, well, the multiple narratives, that things from the old to the new just takes a different form. Some of the things didn't change, right? Like what I mentioned before. And so, for me, as I'm standing here today, tithing is still applicable today. hasn't changed, right? However, the basis of this scripture does not talk about tithing. Listen what it says in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 1. Well, mine has this big word here, um, the NSB, but it says, for it is superfluous for me to write to you about this in my ministry. So, basically, it's I don't understand the point, you know, it's pointless for me to write this. For I am now, I know, sorry, I know your readiness of which I boast about to the Macedonians, namely that Achaia has been prepared since last year and your zeal has been stirred up for most of them. But I have sent the brethren in order that our boasting about you may not be made empty in the case, so that, as I was saying, you may be prepared. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me, and find you unprepared, we do not speak of you, who we will be put to shame by this confidence. So, as I thought it necessary to urge the brethren, so this is the part, that they may go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift, so that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by covetousness. Verse 6, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each, of, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you always have sufficiency in everything and that your abundance may be good in every deed. So, if you go and study this text, the Corinthian church was already a tithing church. However, they neglected certain things. And so, what Paul is writing here to them is saying, you guys have agreed to support us in this ministry. Now, all of a sudden, your guys' heart is growing cold. And he says, well, remember to give according to your heart. So, this is not the tithe. Fire alarm? No, I'm just kidding. He is not talking about the tithe. He's talking about what you give. Above the tithe. So, we need to be careful sometimes the various things that we open ourselves. And this, is, this, this one verse has caused many um, debates, good ones, not so good ones, with friends and with family. Because you know, it's so easy to go and to just say, well, God told me I give 2%. I'm not saying there's something wrong with what you're giving, but I'm saying God wants to have all of you, not 2% of you, right? Someone said it this way. He said, I find myself, I think it might be Spurgeon, who had said, I find myself being able to do more with the 90% that's blessed with 100% that's not. Now, I wasn't going to talk about tithing, but I just want us to make sure that we follow scripturally what he had put, because we want to walk in the fullness of what He has for us, right? So, that's just a few points of so many that we can find in Scripture. And I hope with some that I have shared today that it encourages you to not go around and just using these single lines, because it can cause damage, right? And we can misrepresent. And at the end of the day, we want to represent God well. Right? God can use us in many, and He can use anyone in any way that He wants to. Right? But let's make sure that when we share things, that it aligns with the biblical narrative, one. And two, that we are aware of the context in which um, this narrative is shared amen awesome so i'll pray for us and then that is it for today all right let's pray father just thank you so much that your word is powerful and alive thank you that your word and by a spirit that you convict us And right now, Father God, I pray that every word that was shared, that what's not of you, Father God, that you would just throw that away. But that which is of you and by your spirit, that it would um, just grow in our hearts. Pray, Father God, that as we go out, would you bless each and every family here, to bless those that have traveled. And um, I just pray, Father God, would we just be renewed in... um, our minds with when it comes to spending time with you and with all the distractions that's going on there father god i pray that you would speak to each and everyone here about certain times where you are calling them to draw near father god and that we would be obedient to your word and to your calling bless each and everyone here and um, just pray it all in your mighty name jesus amen all right i hope that you guys have a wonderful wonderful friday for parents, please don't forget to have you take your kids. Please feel free, stay around, have a coffee, talk about the message. Come and corner me, and we can fight it out, whatever way. And uh, yeah, just have a wonderful, wonderful Friday.